This is a legacy episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast, originally released as part of the Lesbian Talk Show podcast group. Some references may be obsolete. The show looks at lesbian-relevant themes in history and literature, has interviews and discussions about current historical fiction with queer female characters, including fantastic versions of the past, and presents new original historical fiction for your enjoyment. Welcome to On the Shelf for August 2019. Setting up the blog and podcast for August is being a bit more chaotic than usual, as I'll be off in Ireland for two weeks in the middle of the month to attend Worldcon, the World Science Fiction Convention, in Dublin, with a bit of sightseeing and visiting along the way. If, by some chance, you also happen to be attending Worldcon, I'd love it if you track me down to say hi and let me know that you listen to the podcast. In fact, I'm scheduled to be on a panel discussion about podcasting, as well as a couple other programming items. That's not the only item complicating my life at the moment, because I've also gotten the edits for my next novel, Floodtide, so I'll be adding revisions into the schedule for this month. Floodtide will be coming out in November, so expect me to take shameless advantage of this podcast and boost it a bit as the date approaches. I'd only just barely started this podcast when my last novel came out and didn't have space in the format for book promotion. And because I'm not multitasking well or tracking calendars carefully, I got blindsided by the due date to get the next story up for the fiction series. Last year, all the fifth Saturdays were evenly distributed at three-month intervals. But the fact that this year there were only two months between the June story and the August one took me by surprise. And speaking of the fiction series, keep thinking about next year's fiction series for the podcast. As I announced last month, we're opening it up a little to include stories with certain types of fantasy elements. See the call for submissions for more explanation. And because of that calendar creep thing, I'll be looking to buy five stories this time because there will be an open slot in January 2021, and I won't have time to fill it with January submission period that year. Now, that's looking far ahead, 2021. I really enjoy helping bring new lesbian historical fiction into the world. I hope you're enjoying listening to it just as much. In July, the Lesbian Historic Motif Project blog covered several publications I picked up at the Kalamazoo Medieval Conference, finishing up with a book I bought several years ago, Daughters of London, Inheriting Opportunity in the Late Middle Ages by Kate Kelsey Staples. Although I hadn't originally intended it as a book for the blog, the subject, Daughters' Inheritances and Final Expectations in Medieval London contributed to last month's essay on the lives of unmarried women. I'm continuing that theme in August by working through the papers in a collection titled The Single Woman in Medieval and Early Modern England, Her Life and Representation. That collection will take me into early September. There are books that I don't necessarily expect to find much new material in, but they might be useful to point out to readers of the blog. So I picked up The History of Sexuality in Europe, a source book and reader, for that reason, and will add it to the growing stack of general purpose books that I need to review. I ordered another rather exciting looking book, Invisible Agents, about female spies in 17th century England. I suppose it might have tie-in potential since I expect that it will include Afra Ben, but mostly I bought it as background research for a future fiction project. This month's author guest will be Penny Micklebury, talking to us about her new historical novel, Two Wings to Fly Away. I haven't decided on an essay topic for August yet. At the moment, I'm still drafting the show that came out last week. 
time is getting tangled as I write this. So it will be a surprise, and maybe even a surprise to me. But the month will end with our next fiction episode, The Black Handkerchief by Gwen C. Katz. Now for the recent, new, and forthcoming lesbian-relevant historical fiction list. As usual, I'll begin with catching up on a few titles I missed in the last couple of months' releases. June Books included a couple of cross-time stories, my term for any book that blends events in multiple eras. The Pages of Adina by C.M. Castillo from iUniverse starts out in the mid-20th century, but it isn't clear that it stays there. It's the summer of 1952, and Adina, Addie Kahlo, loves her life in Chicago, where she helps run her close-knit family's nightclub on the South Side. But Addie has a dream that she is determined to make a reality, attending college in New York and becoming a published author. Through a blind date, she meets Alan, who becomes her best friend and closest confidant. They share a secret that they never can divulge. Together, they discover a door that opens to a magical place that leads to other worlds and to times past and future. Café du Temp, a nightclub like no other. At Café du Temp, they listen to soulful jazz, drink fancy cocktails, and slowly begin to understand that its opulent and stunning ambiance means something unique and special to each person who enters its doors. It's here, in this strange and elegant place, where Addie meets and falls in love with the beautiful poet Isabel Androsco. Their chemistry is immediate and powerful. Despite this, they soon discover that their vastly different worlds pose near-impossible obstacles to the life they want to build together. Addie believes that the mysterious Café du Temps and its serendipitous existence in their lives is the catalyst to their future. But can this belief transcend time and heartbreak to bring her to her ultimate destiny? Another book that weaves together lives in different eras is Jobina's Blues by Jane Alden from Desert Palm Press. Jobina's Blues is a multi-generational love story set in post-World War I American South and flashing forward to the mid-1960s in New York City and London. In 1924, Jobina, the Empress of the Blues, and Lily, a dancer in her chorus line, fall in love as they travel in a custom train car and play to adoring crowds in theaters from Nashville to New Orleans to Mobile. Life is both exciting and dangerous in the young country, only 60 years past the Civil War. Looking forward to the mid-1960s, Joby Green, a folk singer in Greenwich Village, meets the charismatic English pop star Dee Dee. They struggle to manage their long-distance relationship and their careers against a backdrop of social change. The connections between the love stories and the women's challenges and triumphs as they echo through time keep us surprised and challenged and rooting for their happy endings. Paris for Two, Till Death Do We Part, by Dolores Maggiore from Sapphire Books, looks like a mashup between a schoolgirl romance, a travelogue, and a thriller. Honestly, I'm not sure how to categorize it from the cover copy. As 18-year-olds Pina Mazzini and Katie McGilvery speed ahead toward graduation from Albert Academy and the natural evolution of their relationship, Pina flees to Paris to escape the demands of moving on with her life and possibly away from Katie. Pina's burning desire to hang on to Katie and the status quo traps her in the past, along with Europe's seductive antiquities. Does she imagine the haunting return of Craney and her death threats? How toxic is her anxiety over getting on with her life? Katie and old friends from the Albert Academy, along with a cadre of quirky spiritual guides, join Pina on this psychologically thrilling voyage for answers throughout France, Germany, and Italy. Foremost on Pina's mind, will her relationship with Katie survive her great escape? 
More importantly for all, will the eerie lure of Craney and the past swallow Pina up psychologically or in her entirety? Amy Selvage's self-published The Snow Queen is a fictionalized story of a real historic person from the 17th century who was reputed to have same-sex relationships. Queen Christina of Sweden was raised to be strong, unyielding, and powerful. Her desires and personal curiosities drove her to make increasingly outrageous decisions, creating a whirlwind in Europe. Follow her exploits in this powerful historical fiction based on real events in her life. The next two books, from July and then starting on the August titles, are also fictionalized accounts of historic women. I wouldn't be surprised if this next book, The Moss House by Clary Barley from Blue Moose Books, is only the start of a flood of Anne Lister fiction. In the mid-19th century, neighboring landowners Anne Lister and Anne Walker find their lives entwined in a passionate, forbidden relationship. But the world isn't ready for Anne Lister, the larger-than-life scholar, traveler, mountaineer, and lesbian. Valerie, or The Faculty of Dreams, by Sarah Stridsberg, translated by Deborah Bragg and Turner, published by Ferrer, Strauss, and Giraud, dramatizes the story out of sensational entertainment news of the 80s. Not your usual feel-good lesbian fiction fare, but a powerful and painful story. In April 1988, Valerie Solanus, the writer, radical feminist, and would-be assassin of Andy Warhol, was discovered dead at 52 in her hotel room in a grimy corner of San Francisco, alone, penniless, and surrounded by the typed pages of her last writings. In Valerie, Sarah Stridsberg revisits the hotel room where Solanus died, the courtroom where she was tried and convicted of attempting to murder Andy Warhol, the Georgia wastelands where she spent her childhood, where she was repeatedly raped by her father and beaten by her alcoholic grandfather, and the mental hospitals where she was shut away. Through imagined conversations and monologues, reminiscences and rantings, Stridsberg reconstructs this most intriguing and enigmatic of women, articulating the thoughts and fears that she struggled to express in life and giving a powerful, heartbreaking voice to the writer of the infamous Scum Manifesto. From a similar era, though more solidly fictional, comes Chelsea Engel's A Summer of Fever and Freedom from Labor of Love Communications. At 18 years old, Jane is teetering on the cusp of womanhood, a rite of passage complicated and painful for even the most stable of hearts. For Jane, who is anxiously awaiting her brother's return from the war in Vietnam, the heavy journey is cracking her already fragile foundation. When she attends a party in Greenwich Village and meets 23-year-old gay rights and anti-war activist Maria, the ground threatens to crumble completely under the weight of unexpected infatuation and desire. Maria has been on her own for years since her mother kicked her out in high school. The activist and writer has had to erect a fierce shield around her heart in order to navigate a world actively fighting against her humanity, and she certainly doesn't expect the quiet, bookish Jane to tug at those defenses. Maria is sent for a rare tailspin when the walls break just as she prepares for a major life transition that leaves her and Jane at a vulnerable crossroads. From beatneck cafes and student protests to the Stonewall riots in Woodstock, Jane and Maria explore the bustle and beauty of New York in the summer of 1969 while exploring their friendship as well as their own hearts. As the heated season nears its end, the young women are forced to make monumental decisions and come to terms with realities neither of them wishes to face, ones that will shape them for the rest of their lives. And for a rather complete change of pace, we have a lighthearted Regency romance, a Little Light Mischief by Cat Sebastian from HarperCollins. A seductive thief. 
Lady's maid, Molly Wilkins, is done with thieving and cheating and stabbing and all the rest of it. She's determined to keep her hands to herself, so she really shouldn't be tempted to seduce her employer's prim and proper companion, Alice. But how can she resist when Alice can't seem to keep her eyes off Molly? Finds her own heart. For the first time in her life, Alice Stapleton has absolutely nothing to do. The only thing that seems to occupy her thoughts is a lady's maid with a sharp tongue and a beautiful mouth. Her determination to know Molly's secrets has her behaving in ways she never imagined, as she begins to fall for the impertinent woman. Has been stolen. When an unwelcome specter from Alice's past shows up unexpectedly at a house party, Molly volunteers to help the only way she knows how, with a little bit of mischief. Back to the first half of the 20th century for the last two books. The Ventriloquists by E. R. Ramsapur from Park Row doesn't give any indication of character's sexuality in the cover copy, but the author says, quote, My debut is World War II fiction featuring a badass lesbian smuggler and her equally badass partner who pull off the most elaborate feat of satire in modern history. It's based on a true story, end quote. Brussels, 1943. Twelve-year-old street orphan Helene survives by living as a boy and selling copies of the country's most popular newspaper, Le Soir, now turned into Nazi propaganda. Helene's entire world changes when she befriends a rogue journalist, Mark O'Brien, who draws her into a secret network publishing dissident underground newspapers. O'Brien's unbridled creativity and linguistic genius attract the attention of August Wolf, a high-ranking Nazi official tasked with swaying public opinion against the Allies. Wolf captures Aubryon and his comrades and gives them an impossible choice. Use the newspaper to paint the Allies as monsters, or be killed. Faced with no decision at all, Aubryon has a brilliant idea. They will pretend to do the Nazis' bidding, but instead they will publish a fake edition of Le Soir that pokes fun at Hitler and Stalin, giving power back to the Belgians by daring to laugh in the face of their oppressors. The ventriloquists have agreed to die for a joke, and they have only 18 days to tell it. Told with dazzling scope, taut prose, and devastating emotion, the ventriloquist illuminates the extraordinary acts of courage by ordinary people forgotten by history, unlikely heroes who went to extreme lengths to orchestrate the most stunning feat of journalism in modern history. And we finish with Heroine of Her Own Life by Constance Emmett from Creativia. In early 20th century Belfast, working-class Meg Preston struggles to accept her own sexuality and yearns for forbidden love. Battling the customs and hardships of their time, Meg pursues a relationship with her childhood friend, Lillian Watson. But soon, tribulations of war, violence, and emigration threaten to tear everything apart. Seeking refuge for herself, her love, and her family, can Meg find the courage to become the heroine of her own life? These lists are cobbled together from publisher listings, Amazon keyword searches, and word of mouth. If you have or know of a forthcoming book that would fit with the theme of this podcast, drop me a note to make sure I don't overlook it. And what have I been reading since the last On Our Shelf show? I finished up Theodora Goss's European Travel for the Monstrous Gentlewoman, a fantasy about the daughters of various 19th century Gothic novel protagonists forming a found family and having adventures in pursuit of their origins and to rescue new recruits. There was a minor background lesbian motif when the title character from Sheridan Le Fanu's vampire novel Carmilla makes an appearance. The book I'm now in the middle of is Two Wings to Fly Away by this month's author guest Penny Micklebury. I'm way behind on reviewing the books I've read this year, and I keep hoping I'll have time to catch up, but somehow it never comes. 
And now that the TV series Gentleman Jack is available through iTunes, I have another distraction, though I'm virtuously ignoring the fact that it's now sitting on my computer while I get other things done. And what are you reading these days in lesbian history? I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast. See the show notes for links to people and topics. Most shows will have a transcript linked as well. If you have a book announcement, a topic suggestion, or might like to appear on the show, please drop me an email. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and consider supporting our Patreon 